You're listening to Behind the Crush. I am your host, as always, Hink. Welcome to this very special episode of Crushing AP, where we have Behind the Crush. And this week's guest is none other than Crushing AP's Alex. Welcome, Alex. It's good to be here. I'm glad that Phil and Mikey couldn't make it. I don't know who you're talking about. So let's just let's just dig down. Let's just get get dirty and find out who Alex the man truly is. I would like to know too. That's 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 good. That's the right attitude to have. First question. I understand you were born in Poland. Is that correct? Uh, that's what my parents tell me. Okay. Why? <laughs> Why was I born in Poland? Um, well, I believe that is where my my parents um, did the thing that parents do and uh, had kids. And then we ended up moving to Canada in 1988, 88, right? I was seven years old. And uh, it was to escape communism in Poland. So uh, life was not good. My dad told me some stories afterwards about uh, waiting in food lines and things like that and seeing things on the news over there. So uh, we, we got the F out of, <laughs> out of Zeshuv, basically. <laughs> Okay. Yeah. So then what was it like growing up as as Alex? Hmm. I was always the tall guy in, throughout school. This was kind of like my uh my my identity. So, you know, you have the fat kid, the ugly one. Uh hey, look, it's the Spanish one. Um I was the tall guy. So there was, there was a time when a guy came, like this was in uh, grade seven or eight, somebody, you know, came to the school who was, who was taller than me a little bit. And I was a little upset because that was my thing. That's, that's what I was known for. So uh, that, that kind of, you know, shook my identity a little bit, I have to say. Uh, but otherwise, I mean, growing up, man, I mean, my, my childhood was probably similar to the four of us that normally do the show, which is a lot of video games. <laughs> um, maybe not as much as you guys, but, uh, I definitely played some magic, the gathering growing up as well. Uh, some comic books. I also spent a lot of time playing road hockey. So, um, yeah, if I think about childhood, the things that I automatically go back to in my mind, is playing street hockey out front of my house for two, three hours every day after school with the neighbors and um, spending a ton of time on my NES and then SNES and then uh, Super Nintendo. And eventually when I got into my teens, collecting like video game magazines as well to kind of like inform all that. So yeah. Uh, road hockey, video games, and a little bit of uh, learning electric guitar. Now, now it's it's funny that you've you've mentioned these things because mm -hmm. I've I was digging into your bio, and yeah. I'll be perfectly honest with you, it's it's pretty dry. So, yeah. what do you wish was in there during that adolescence to say about your teen years? 
what hmm. part of the what do you wish your bio did say that would have made it really fascinating for somebody doing research <laughs> um maybe for you know for the entertainment of the readers perhaps uh, more drugs you know, uh, I, w I was very much a straight edge kid. So and I think that has made me into what I am today. But perhaps had I taken more drugs and, you know, gotten into uh, the wrong crowd, perhaps there could have been a good uh, entertaining middle part to, to that biography. You know, gotcha. a, a, few, gotcha. a, few more, a few more bad decisions, maybe some failed classes, maybe uh, drop out of school for a little while and come back after, you know, finding my way again and either finding Jesus, maybe, you know, never know something like that. That's a good, that's a good place to, uh, to start with, 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 uh, shall we say altering the past to make it seem more interesting. Um, <laughs> you want to beef up that post high school part too? You know, what else, what could it have said in there? You know, what, what other, what other things could you have gotten into post high school? Post high school. Um, you know, I really enjoyed my post high school experience, uh, especially. But it was so boring. Yeah, it was. It was definitely a lot of studying going on, a lot of college, the university, um, reading a lot of different types of literature and things like that. So it was it was cool, but at the same time, um, what I, you know, one of my passions is was and still is to some degree but not as much as it was in my early 20s is definitely music and playing guitar so the one thing that i wish one of the things i wish i could go back if i could do it again is i'd probably dedicate myself more to learning the guitar very well and you know i always had those kind of dreams of being in a band not even in a successful band it it, just, it could have just been like you know, playing a one-off show or, or once every few months getting together and just just playing for like, like a, a dozen people at a bar. I'd be totally so, happy with that. So like a, a Thursday night bar band that does Pearl Jam covers. It doesn't have to be Pearl Jam. I, well, I could, if you're going to do yeah. covers, that's really the only one you could have gone yeah, with true. back in those times. It's true. So, and Actually, but, at that time, I, I was... You know, yeah. sure. At that time, I was really into the post-rock genre, which uh, is Mogwai, Explosions in the Sky, uh, basically instrumental rock bands like that. So my uh, my vision, my dream was to kind of play in a similar type of band and just make these like nine to 12 minute soundscapes of guitars and crescendoing and crashing. And um, that's kind of what I had envisioned at that time. And if I do ever make a band... Maybe, you know, sometime before I'm 50, if that happens, that's still probably the type of music I'd, uh, I'd shoot for. But who knows? I mean, your taste changed throughout, uh, throughout your life. Mm -hmm. Well, I, I, know, I know, aside from the, the music aspect, mm -hmm. uh, if you could impart to your 25-year-old self any important advice that you've gleaned from all of your wisdom, mm -hmm. what would you tell that younger Alex? Oh, my 25-year-old self. So what was I doing when I was 25? Finishing up my, yeah, I started getting into my MA. Hmm. That is very difficult to say. Um, maybe... 
invest stock in let's see who would i invest stock in at that time probably nintendo was the wii a thing at that time <laughs> i don't know that i was can't so remember go from invest me. stock in nintendo and oh and the other thing i would say it's mm-hmm. like hey hey alex you remember when you went to those roh shows with hank like uh that was closer to my 30s, but you know it's it's coming up in like five years from the time I was 25, um, sure. and how you know you started getting back into wrestling, and then you started watching WWE again for some reason. Mm-hmm. Um, you might want to just like cut out that period where you watched from like WrestleMania 28 and 29 because uh, those two years were gross and streaming that garbage every Monday night and being disappointed and yet still unable to resist watching it and complaining about it on the internet. Uh, waste of time. Don't watch the WWE from that period of like WrestleMania 28 and 29. That's, that's some strong wisdom. Um, yeah. Moving on. So yeah. shortly after that period, I understand you met the love of your life, what, about eight or nine years ago. So, Absolutely. So looking back mm-hmm. on how you've grown and matured as an adult from that, from that discovery. How has the Transformers movie franchise affected your personal philosophies and outlook on the world at large? This is a very deep question. And this is something that I've pondered uh, many times. Uh, The first time I actually saw the Transformers movie was on a plane. Um, And actually that was uh, a plane ride that I took with, with my wife and I believe we were going to Las Vegas at the time and um, you know uh, the the Transformers film franchise for me ends with Transformers 1 because that was the only one that I could stomach so I would say um, in terms of personal philosophies and outlook on the world at large Transformers taught me that and this is something we discussed in the last episode, nostalgia is good when you just think about it and keep it in the past and let those warm and fuzzy feelings, um, you know, just come up to the surface and, you know, you, you shoot the shit about something for five minutes that you liked 20 years ago. Uh, but then what you're when when you bring that to the present and when you try to recapture that in in another form another medium um instead of cartoon doing something in live action it's not always going to match up to what the feeling or what you thought it was going to be and that's okay because i get it it's it's not necessarily made for you but um I'd say that's that's what the Transformers legacy for me is and my outlook on life is uh, also don't take things too seriously. Like don't get all your panties up in a bunch about, uh, you know, modern filmmakers making remakes of 1980s films like Ghostbusters because as if it's some sacred text that can never be like reinterpreted or anything like that. Um, people are going to have fun with it. Transformers wasn't for me. It's not for me. The franchise, I have zero interest. Anytime I see a trailer, like, nope, not going to see that one. Nope, not going to see that one. Definitely not going to see that one. The first one was good Was good enough for me, and uh, it was like a 6 out of 10 movie for me. So I'm like, eh, I don't need to see them again. Although I, you know, I have no ill feelings towards those who do enjoy those films. 
And they're just, you know, they're films based on comics and cartoons, man. Like, don't take it so seriously. It's just a kid. It's, they're, they're made for kids. They're made It's a lifestyle. Exactly. Okay. I'll be honest. It's a lifestyle. All right. And, you know, that's, that's, that's fair. That's well, fair. Well, do you uh, live Transformers, so, Hink? I mean, I, I'm going to turn the tables a little bit ask you. I mean, how, how has Transformers affected your personal philosophy and outlook on the world of large? Alex, if I've learned anything, yeah. if I've learned anything, is that it's more than meets the eye. But let's let's change, let's let's keep on you. This isn't this Very is an true. interview with Alex, not an interview with Alex with an interview with Pink. Just, okay, okay. Let's just move. Let's move on from. Let's move on from from the Transformers. Okay. And let's how let's just address your, shall we say, celebrity. You oh, are okay. you are well known as one quarter of the podcast crushing AP. How has the fame? affected you have you noticed if people interact with you differently than say before the podcast well i mean as the um fourth most popular member of the podcast uh i would say um it's definitely affected me in a positive way um just yesterday my wife actually told me that she listened to the last episode while at work because it was a slow day and that she got a, she got a good laugh out of it. So it's affected my celebrity in my own household. Uh, so I'm not sure if my wife thinks better of me or, or lower of me, but she did um, get a good chuckle out of the podcast. And I asked her opinion if she had any feedback. And she said that uh, it's just you guys talking and, and saying funny stuff. So yeah, it's, it's entertaining. Uh, in terms of my other life, I mean other people in my life i still haven't had anyone respond to me on twitter so uh we're, we'll we'll keep we'll keep pumping out those uh you know those twitter um promotions at the end of the show and hope that one day i will actually get a response from someone so i can't uh, say it's affected me uh, profoundly just yet and and would what would you say would be one of the greatest perks of being a celebrity podcaster. This is going to maybe sound a little cheesy, but honestly, like the, the best perk of the four of us getting together is just the four of us getting together. So the geography where each of us lives makes it very tough for us to get together on a consistent basis and to hang out and to catch up. Um, this show, this podcast is a way for me to, to get in touch with you guys, see what's going on, see what's been happening. And to me, that's, that's a huge, I mean, as a, as a married man with, with kids talking with friends and getting away from talking about, uh, kids shows and birthday parties and other stuff and just talking with friends. That's a perk, man. Excellent. Excellent. Thank you. Yeah. No problem. Now we'd like to get into digging below the surface of, of what makes Alex tick. And uh, for those of you who know us uh, well, uh, we're, you're familiar with, with, with Alex's political activities. Clearly, so, yeah. So right now, Alex, I would I would like to get your thoughts on a few of the hot button issues 
that are prevalent in the world right now. So just I'm just gonna I'm just gonna ask and you just react to them, you know, as raw or viscerally as you want. Okay. Whew. You're not supposed to talk about politics, man. It's just okay. No. But I'm ready. Well, I'm ready. Is, I'm gonna is, try. People people need and want to know the inner Alex. All right. So, let's let's do this unfiltered. Okay. What is your thoughts towards LGBTQ house pets? Can you can you elaborate on that? Do do you mean um, pets who do, are LGBTQ? Do do you think that they have a place in the home in society? What where do you, where do you lean on the political spectrum when it comes to pets of? Shall we say uh, less than less than traditional roles in, mm -hmm. in in the family? Okay, okay. I mean, you know, just because a dog is a dog, doesn't mean that he has to do the typical things that a a dog would do. And we associate dogs automatically with male qualities, male characteristics. Like, um, you know, like wh why does why do why do dogs have to bark and and be tough and rough and be protector of man and and man's best friend? And, you know, there are people out there who later found out that their dog was, you know, a, a trans dog thinking the entire time that he had been a male dog and uh, they started treating them differently. They no longer knew if they could call him man's best friend because they assumed that the dog was a male and, and they, they would treat him worse. They would give him the 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 dry food only, not, not the meaty food anymore. And I wasn't, you know, I, I believe in, in equal rights for all. And I believe that it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if you, if you're a lesbian dog, if you are a gay male dog, if you are a transgender dog, you deserve love. Okay. Above all else. And all dogs matter. Powerful stuff. Gun control for children. Where, where do you where do you stand on gun control for 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 the young ones? Well, I mean, I I definitely think that not any kid should just be able to hop into you know a Walmart and pick out a gun and, and you know just go with their parents and say, "Mom, I want a I want a Magnum." Um, but that's the kind of world we're living in now, where where kids are able to get access to these things. Um, this is the world that I think we're living in that I've created. Now, uh, so are, are, now are knives okay? What about it, shuriken? Knives, knives are fine. They're just using that stuff to cut up vegetables and cheese. I mean, I got a four-year-old and I'm teaching her how to use a knife and it's all about responsible, responsible parenting. If you're, uh, you know, not a present parent, then yeah, that kid might end up, you know, cutting off a finger or, um, chopping up Debbie next door who knows so well, yes she had it coming yeah yeah so but but then so where do you draw the line is there is there an age limit to which you would allow or you would or or shall we go uh, forbid uh, children to have weapons guns knives or nunchucks <laughs> I mean I'm definitely open to baseball bats okay and I believe that uh, the age of four is, 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 you know, it's pretty safe to give a kid a knife at the, at the age of four. It, it all depends on, on the parents because it's not that, you know, 
knives don't kill people. It's it's and it's not even kids that kill people. It's parents that give knives to kids irresponsibly and don't teach them the proper uses of knives that kill people. So uh, it it all goes back to parenting. I, I'm a strong believer that you know you can't be blaming the kids. It's got to start somewhere. They're getting that from someone, and uh, typically it's uh, mom or dad who you know just. They're a bit irresponsible and uh, they're drinking too much or um, are card-carrying members of the NRA and just not responsible. Fair. Fair. Yeah. Greenhouses. Specifically houses that are painted green. Yeah. What not are your thoughts? Fan. Not a fan. Not a fan. Too garish. Mm-hmm. Um, reminds me of a Ninja Turtle. So I don't want to be living inside a turtle. Um, I am a fan of uh, more monochromatic, uh, kind of like you know, light pastel colors, browns maybe, something that is less um, obvious, less turtley. So I'm not really a fan of, of turtle houses, uh, turtle ho- colored houses, because Fair. Is they, it, can, they can attract is the it, foot. Is it any, now, is it specifically like turtles? Like what, if it was a parrot house, would be that? would that be okay? Or a frog house would that be okay, or is it is it like the is it the basically what I'm trying to trying to determine, Alex, is 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 it the animal or the mm. color in general? Well, obviously there are different shades of green, so I think I would be okay with uh, green arrow colored house because green arrow is the most badass DC superhero, my favorite superhero from the DC universe. Uh, so I think I would be okay with a green arrow green colored greenhouse uh, because you know that a badass is living there with a bow and arrow who will protect your city if shit gets real fair mm-hmm. Trump or Hillary the lesser of two liars hmm. I will have to go uh, it's not really it's kind of a false choice but I will go I definitely would if I were in the United States, I would be voting for Hillary. Sorry, you didn't let me finish. Trump or Hillary, who would be the better Euchre partner? Hmm. Mm. <laughs> now, you know, yeah, I think, yeah, I think I, I, I still go with Hillary just because she's, uh, she's so careful She's so unassuming she can be. Trump, I think, would just spoil the game, and he's too. He, you, you can see what that man is thinking, and he's very uh, expressive with his face. So I think he would give things away a bit too easily. Whereas Hillary would probably play pretty close to the vest, and uh, you know, I, I think, yeah, you know, playing euchre with with Hillary Clinton, I'd be, I'd be down for that. Excellent. Let's 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 change it up a bit and let's do some word association. I will give you a word, and the first word or two words or whatever phrase mm-hmm. that comes into your mind, you react to it. You you prepared very well for this. Okay, let's 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 try it out. Okay, here we go. Pickle. Sandwich. Quebec. Poutine. Hepatitis. 
Bad memories. Garfield. Mm, a shitty Heathcliff. Softball. A male problem. Jim Cotta. Legendary. Popsicle. A refreshing dessert. Hamilton. Hometown. Tequila. Tequila. Not my favorite. Brexit. Haha. -ha. Isis. A really good metal group. Phil. <laughs> um, so many things. So many things. First, the first <laughs> thing that comes to your mind that you would want him to hear. Uh, he'll he'll get this face cream. Mikey. Filipino, which is terrible. <laughs> his his okay. defining trait is his race. That's pretty no. Uh Mikey, I would <laughs> yeah, that's right. Um Mikey, I would probably actually go with um comedian. Hink. Hink. Solid. Alex. Loyal. Now that we've gotten a, a stronger look at what makes Alex tick, we want to now get to what makes Alex engaged in the world. Mm. And, and we've got a few... A few of your well-known hobbies uh, uh, that we'd like to get your thoughts on. We, we've already spoken about this briefly. Um, we Everybody that knows you knows that you are well-versed and strongly opinionated in the sport of professional wrestling. The, there's been a brand split mm -hmm. in world wrestling entertainment. I am aware. Which, which do you prefer? Raw or SmackDown? I've actually only watched SmackDown and just based on the reviews I have listened to and the reports I've read of Raw, I prefer Raw, <laughs> even though I haven't seen it. Um, did, now, did, did you feel that there was a need for the split? I, well, what's interesting is I think with NXT getting so big and guys now just kind of being funneled onto the main roster. I don't think the depth is really there to kind of warrant it just yet, but Sheldon Benjamin is apparently coming back to, uh, to SmackDown and they're, and Rhino just came back to SmackDown as well. So uh, maybe they're going to fill out the roster with, with some older guys. Um, but I definitely felt that the WWE needed something because like I said, I mean, that period before, 
The only reason I don't mention WrestleMania 30, because WrestleMania 30 was awesome. That was when Daniel Bryan won the title. You had like Stone Cold, Hogan, and The Rock in the ring at the same time. Um, it was a great, and Rusev in a tank. I mean, there was like a whole bunch of amazing stuff at that show. Um, but since then, and I would say 10 months out of 12, maybe even 11 months out of 12, the WWE is stale as a saltless saltine cracker. Like it's just not entertaining. It is run of the mill, generic, um, choose your own adventure, uh, matches slapped together haphazardly weekly wrestling show. It's just very rare in three hours, you might get about 15 or 20 minutes that are actually worth seeking out. So yes, they needed something. Yeah. So it's it was a good shakeup. Yeah, absolutely. I think the I think it's uh, gonna create. It seems to have created at least on the raw side, like a greater sense of urgency and more of an understanding of what makes pro wrestling cool and engaging and interesting, and that's storylines that people care about and characters that people care about, matches people want to see, um, a title change that you don't expect, a guy getting pushed that people have been pushing for for a long time or somebody like Finn Balor coming up to the main roster and winning, you know, on his first night out and he's going to get a title shot. Finn Balor versus Seth Rollins is, is a match that's coming up at SummerSlam. That sounds amazing. What would the name of your finishing move be? Polish hammer. If you were a wrestler. The Polish hammer. The Polish hammer. Yeah, absolutely. I've, I've thought about this. <laughs> If you were in a stable with three other wrestlers, who are they? And do you have a name for yourselves? Hmm. You know, I, yeah. Do I go for the Eastern European thing? I think I would have to. Uh, Ivan Putsky. I would also want Rusev in there. And, uh, Probably, yeah, probably one of the oldies. Like, uh, is, it, is it Victor Kozlov? Nikita Kolov? Victor yeah. Kozlov. Yeah. Uh, uh, yeah. Ko- yeah. It was Ko- there was a Kozlov, but. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, and I would go with um, a name for that stable. You got basically like two Polish guys and a couple of Russians in there. So let's see. Um, the sexual name could be Pole Rush. But uh, <laughs> you know, got to go probably with the Iron Curtain. Let's delve into your history with video gaming, in particular home consoles. Mm-hmm. Uh, we both we both share a deep love and appreciation for the Sega Dreamcast. Yes. So, the obvious first question: What is your favorite game? From the Dreamcast. From the Dreamcast. Uh, That is a difficult question. The one that I played the most was probably Jet Grind Radio. Um, If I had to pick a top three, I'd probably go with, in no particular order, Jet Grind Radio, Skies of Arcadia, and Crazy Taxi, and then Capcom versus SNK of all games probably come in a, as an honorable mention. So, yeah, 
Skies of Arcadia, one of the greatest RPGs I've ever played. And at that time, the visuals were stunning. I'd never seen a video game that takes place almost entirely in the sky, not to that degree where it's just like you're you're floating through the clouds, you're going into like floating um cities and things like that so just like the world itself felt so huge so massive so grand and it's something that would not look nearly as good on a playstation or um, an n64 (laughs) what would you say is the worst game you ever got to play on the dreamcast the worst game i ever got to play on the dreamcast hmm Uh, only because I sucked at it, I would Mm -hmm. probably say, and I know this game got a lot of love, but I couldn't get past like the first 30 minutes because I didn't know what to do was a elemental gimmick gear. Uh, also a, an RPG. Um, I, I don't know. It, 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 what, it's not that it was bad. I just, I wasn't that good at it. So I sucked at it. So I put it down and I still own it. It's still sitting there in my pile. Maybe one day I'll go back to it and I'll just like read a quick strategy guide to help me out. But that one, I stopped playing because I didn't know what the hell to do after a certain point near the beginning. Uh, did you did you ever get into the import titles that were Japan only or in rare occasions, uh, Europe only? There were a couple. I got into uh, Garu, Mark of the Wolves. Um, fighting game with um, I think was that a mix of like Last Blade characters and Fatal Fury characters I can't remember exactly but that was cool otherwise um, not not too too much I know that was a big part of the the, the Dreamcast love was those those games but no I didn't uh, get into them too much and what is your in your grand conspiracy theory mm-hmm. head, what do you feel was the biggest thing that led to the demise of the Dreamcast? So long ago. Um, I think the timing, right? Like it was, I mean, it was trying something, especially with the online component that hadn't really been tried to the degree that the Dreamcast was aiming for. So a game like Fantasy Star Online, which received universal praise, maybe the world just wasn't ready for you know, the, the mass gaming world wasn't ready to kind of embrace that just yet. So, yeah, it was a trailblazer, especially in that area. Um, I just think it maybe it came out at the wrong time. Uh, there was what came out right after it was it the PS2 that came out right after it? I, can't I believe remember. so. Right. Yeah, within months of it within months and i mean yeah and the ps2 right away you've got uh like world beaters like and like final fantasy 10 and like metal gear solid 2 uh like follow-ups to games that were massive and huge on the original playstation so it's hard to compete with sony the visuals on the ps2 i'd argued are definitely better than the dreamcast um i don't know how you feel about that but uh, yeah, I just think like bad, bad timing and it was trying for things that maybe uh, the gaming world wasn't ready for yet. So 
we've also touched on this in in, uh, in one of the previous sections. Um, your how music has affected you. Do you I know you mentioned that uh, you you play guitar, but do you, do you play any other instruments? Have you been exposed to other instruments? I um, play a mean spoon. And who would you say was one of your biggest influences on your spoon playing? I mean, if I had to go back, there's a... Uh... There's a homeless guy here on St. Catherine Street in Montreal who's a, a master of the spoon. And, you know, one day I was walking by, dropped him, dro dropped a, a loony into his uh, his cap. And I, I felt deeply, deeply inspired by this man clicking and clacking the spoons away. So I decided to go home, try it myself. Um, that was a that was a rough time for my marriage there for a while, just at the dinner table. But uh, I think I was all the better for it in the end, and uh, now I'm I'm playing at least uh, once every two months um, on the corner of uh, Saint Catherine and and, uh, and Peel. Very nice. Yeah. Staying with music, but stepping away from your uh, musical prodigy, shall we say? Mm -hmm. um, what was, if you can recall, what was the last song where your brain just melted a little you know it fired more than a than a few synapses in your in in your skull and and it just compelled you to look into more of it what, what was the last song that that jumped at you hmm the last song that did that for me you know uh maybe gimme chocolate by baby metal uh, which is something that you recommended to me. So I have since checked out a bit more of Baby Metal, and it's so catchy and hard and ridiculous. It's such a weird mishmash of of styles. So I would definitely say, uh, as a curiosity, ba Baby Metal. Yeah, give me chocolate, Baby Metal. Now, those of you who, who've listened to uh, all of our previous episodes of, of the Crushing Audio Podcast, uh, knows Alex uh, as a avid reader. And and you are a great supporter of the of of, of, of books of all mm -hmm. types. Um, well, not all books. Not all books. Mostly sci-fi, fantasy, and a little bit of um, not uh, non yeah, a bit of nonfiction as well on random topics. Now, I, I don't mean to put you on the spot, but don't you find it at least the slightest bit racist to be against the coloring ones? <laughs> I oh mean... Oh, my God. <laughs> Who told you that? Who told you I was, I was against coloring books? <laughs> people talk. People talk. Oh, man. Yeah, I mean, I'm trying to keep them out of my kids' hands, um, but they just keep reaching for that freaking Crayola box and keep looking into the, the, the secret drawer where I keep those coloring books. Um, and I just can't stand it. They're too bright, too colorful on the front. And coloring doesn't teach you shit, man. Like... I don't want my kid touching no coloring books. I don't want my kid touching a book until she can read uh, Tolstoy. 
Okay. Like that's once you can read Tolstoy, then you can get to touch a coloring book after that. Okay. Cause coloring books are, they, they, they don't lead to more books. They just lead to more coloring books. All right. I, I want that gateway and that gateway will be my, my kid will receive a, you know, IV drip of C.S. Lewis and J.R. Tolkien and Isaac Asimov until she is like 12 years old. And then at that point, well, before that, we'll probably get some J.K. Rowling in there too. So yes, that that's why, you know, I, I don't support coloring books. They, they dumb down literature. And, and just to, just to tie off this, this uh, literary segment, mm-hmm. uh, what, is the worst book you've ever read from cover to cover? <sighs> cover to cover. There must be one. There must. There could be a few. But what's the worst one? It doesn't it? Doesn't necessarily have to be one that you hated. It mm-hmm. could be the least one that you liked. The one that I liked the least. Thing is, like. I, the the most recent one that comes to mind, and I didn't read it to cover to cover because I've gotten to a point now where I don't have the time to read or watch uh, bad movies, bad shows, bad books. So if it doesn't grab me in the first, I would say, 33 to 50% in the first half, I will put it down and move on to something else. And the most recent book, for me, was uh, Gods of Mars by Edgar Rice Burroughs. Um, Those of you listening, if you have seen the movie John Carter from Disney, uh, John Carter is based off the, the John Carter and the Princess of Mars and the Gods of Mars. Basically, there's a whole series of book, books by Edgar Rice Burroughs right, writing about this. Now, the reason that book pissed me off is because I read a hundred a uh, hundred plus pages of it and it was episodic to the point where it just kept repeating the same thing again and again it's like john carter gets into a fight with a bunch of aliens and then escapes and then john carter gets into a fight with another bunch of aliens and he gets help from someone and then they escape and then they get into another fight with somebody else and then they run away and they escape. This happened about three, four times, literally three, four times in the book to the, to the point where I said, I'm like, screw it. I'm not enjoying this. There's nothing happening. There's nothing developing. It's just repeating the same thing again and again. So I decided I'm like, screw it. I'm reading the Wikipedia summary, seeing if this goes anywhere. I read the Wikipedia summary. I'm like, not interested in that at all. So just stop reading completely. Well, we are nearing the end of our behind the crush look with with uh, crushing AP's Alex. Oh, thank God! Um, uh, we've got uh, we we have we have a, a a few more questions, just just, a, just some quick fire questions, uh, just to just to keep you on your toes. And, Should I be nervous? Uh, Should I be nervous? Uh, I you know what? You can be whatever you want, Alex, okay, because we believe in you. you. All right, I'm gonna be a potato. This, Go ahead. This 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 is for your fans. Okay. So, first question. Yes. Are you down with OPP? I am as down with OPP 
as I am with strawberry milkshakes. Okay, uh, this is the other people's property one. So the second question is, are you down with OPP? <laughs> well, um, I believe... Which would be that... the Ontario Provincial Police. Oh, this one. I have been... Have I been pulled over by the... I've been pulled over by the OPP, so I've been uh, brought down by the OPP. So no, I am not down with that OPP. And uh, that OPP can... Um, just go burn in a vat of hot boiling Tim Hortons coffee. Which is your favorite? Arsenic or strychnine? Boron. Ooh. Oh. I'll let you have that one. Mm -hmm. Favorite cartoon bunny. Hmm. Is there more than one? Yes, there is. Yes, there is. It. You got to go with classic bugs, I'd say. But then you're thinking about uh, Buster Bunny coming up there. Uh, did Jazz Jackrabbit get his own show, or was that only a video game? If he was I, a cartoon, he counts of any kind. Okay, so. I I will have to go with uh, with Jazz Jackrabbit because he carried a gun. Which Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle do you feel? would be the most qualified mm -hmm. to lead a university department. Well, this is just an easy one. It's clearly Donatello. He's he's the guy with the brains, and Donatello does machines, right? So, I mean, he could easily uh, be the head of a robotics department at a university. He could easily be the head of a uh, any kind of IT tech support tech department. And uh, the least qualified would probably be Michelangelo because he'd probably just be eating pizza and shit and just hanging out and getting drunk with co-eds. What cast member of Friends would you least likely to engage in coitus with? Ross. Definitely Ross. Um, he's just too bland. I, I just, I can't imagine that man having too much passion. Uh, and, and I know we've seen him kiss Rachel numerous times on the show, but uh, he just, he's got that face that just reminds me of something I want to punch or, or a piece of toast. Looks like a piece of toast and nobody wants to have sex with a piece of toast. This is true. Your favorite position? Um, holding midfield. I would have also accepted fetal, so that's good. Good. Thank you. Did you or have you ever asked Jeeves anything? Recipes for the best lentil soups. I was big into lentil soups. That's it. Alex, Alex, we appreciate your time and candor. And Thank we look forward much. to just and we look forward to uh, having future discussions with you. Well, thank you very much. This has been a great pleasure for me and um, obviously a great pleasure for you. So uh, you're welcome.
Thank you for joining us for this very special episode of Behind the Crush with our guest, Alex. I am, as always, Hank. <laughs>